Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality with your host, me, Aliyah Lovely. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, psychics, aliens, religion, new age stuff, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, philosophy, and even dating. Some of the shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and new discoveries and other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up about what spirituality in today's world really looks like. Awesome. So I'm very excited to bring on my first guest to this podcast who is Audra Hibbs, a friend, a person that I've known for some time. And Audra Hibbs is a writer, a rebel, and a master of personal reinvention. Her great love is for creating exploratory spaces for humans to reimagine their lives through the lens of curiosity, connection, pleasure, and play. Welcome, Audra. Hi, Elia. I'm so, so excited to be here. I know. We've sat in conversation many of times and sat down and always have been like, why didn't we record that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, there should be things people hear. There should be things that people hear. So, um, here's a good question. Um, so today we're going to be talking about religion. <laughs> so if you're having a trigger warning already about anything that has to, if we're going to be discussing topics around Christianity as we were both born into and the way that we were raised, then you might turn this off now. Um, because we're really going to dig into the, the yeah. nitty-gritty of it. So maybe tell talk to the audience about you and your perspective, yeah. and let's just rock and roll. Yeah, so um, when we first started talking about doing a podcast, like I feel like you're one of those people that we could legitimately have conversation about absolutely anything. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that came up for me the first, um, when I started thinking about what I would love to like unpack with you, is really religion. Like Religious deconstruction has been a big part of my story the past couple of years. Um, and so like history wise, my background is in the Baptist church, essentially. So I grew up, I was at a church service less than a week after I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up in a, a very religious family. Um, my parents have gone to the same church my entire life. My dad's a deacon there. Um, so very involved. It was kind of one of those things. Like, I feel like there are people who go to church, like quote unquote, go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people who like live church and my family lives the church um so that was kind of a part of my story from day one um the trouble for me didn't really start until after i left my home so the first 20 years of my life was almost completely oriented around the rhythms of the church that was where my social circle came from Mm -hmm. that was where where my entire like moral and ethical standpoint came from Mm -hmm. all of it was based on pretty like pretty conservative religion um and none of that really became problematic for me until i left the church and basically started living a life where i met people whose experiences did not naturally affirm exactly what i had been taught my entire life so Mm -hmm. um i grew up in a small town where probably 98 percent of the people that i knew were like christian baptist republican white straight very like I grew up in a a kind of um a little bit of a vacuum and it was when I left the vacuum that I started being exposed to some questions that um probably in my early 20s started to make me 
rethink my worldview and the past 10 years, I'm 34 now, so probably about 10 years ago when it was when I first started like unpacking religion and I can see in little ways like I was trying so hard to like ignore the questions, ignore all of the like um, the harm that I had seen done by the church, but the past 10 years has kind of been just a slow steady progression toward me realizing that religion has actually done a shit ton of harm mm. to a lot of people I know and love. Um, and so really, I would say within the past year to three years has been when I've kind of like, quote unquote, come out mm -hmm. um, as deconstructing my faith. And so, yeah, that's kind of where we're sitting right now. Um, I my my deconstruction process kind of led me down a path to honestly being deeply spiritual, mm -hmm. deeply spiritual, but no longer religious in a dogmatic way at all. What is your definition of dogma? Yeah. So for me, dogma looks like prioritizing a belief system, like an intellectual system of like agreeing with a certain set of rules over actual humanity. Mm, like so for legalization. Me, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was the thing is like, um, or legalism. Is that? Yes. yes. That's <laughs> That's <one>. Legalization. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, like, yeah. And I think that that was kind of one of the things that kind of first kicked in for me was I started to notice several years back that it just felt like a lot of people in my life had the capacity to look at other humans in a very dehumanizing way based mm -hmm. on their religious belief. And for me, that's dogma. Like, mm -hmm. as soon as my... Um, interpretation of a religious text becomes more important than being loving, generous, and supportive and kind to the people around mm -hmm. me, that's dogma territory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where there's a lack of understanding. Yeah. 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 A lack of empathy, yeah. a lack of ability to see people as connection. Yes. Love. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I will. I grew up pretty similar. Yeah. Um, grew up in the church for the most part of it. Um, I believe that my parents did the best with what they had mm -hmm. for sure. And, um, I, they still hold to most of their religious practices, but um, I grew up as a very entitled and self-righteous mm -hmm. type of kid, mm -hmm. and Same. I don't mean that in a sense of like we grew up in kind of poverty, but um, in, in the in the religious sense of like I looked down on other people who yes. didn't know the truth, and yep. so um, and it was my duty and honor to save them. And so in that sense of the, like the hellfire and brimstone, the church we grew up in um, was, <laughs> I, I'm not going to call it cult level, yeah. but like close. And, um, and there just being such a, a high utilization of the soldiers of Christ. Oh my know? God, yes. <laughs> so there was always this idea of this us against them and mm -hmm. we have to save them and this like uh, obligatory duty of yeah. you know what's necessary for us to be able to um maintain our faith mm -hmm. because like also i was a super guilty child like i didn't learn enough bible verses i wasn't in enough plays or i didn't do you know whatever it was my duty to do it's like very guilty nine-year-old you know like just yeah. little things that you're like oh no and i i think that um i remember very distinctly when we would have the call to christ at the end of mm -hmm. church and how there would be people that would kind of go up a few times. Like they were like, oh, they're already quote unquote saved. And then they come back and they're like, I wasn't really saved. And they're being yes. this back and forth about that. And I remember 
very young registering that and being like, oh, is it possible to lose your salvation? Mm. And, and thinking about that, because they said that you can't. And so someone saying that you didn't actually accept it or anything. So when I did fall away from the church, the big fall, um, <laughs> that someone had told me that I had not actually been saved. And I was like, I was more saved than anybody you know. Like, I was the, the most saved. Like, I, I read the Bible like it was a love letter and, um, and took it very seriously. I went to a Bible college also. And so um, there, was, there was so much of my life that was so dedicated to Christ and Jesus, and, um, which is not a bad thing, but it removed me, at least the way that I had learned it, had removed me from my own humanity and from others and starting to look at people in a very us versus them kind yes. of way. So when I, when I came away from that, it was crazy because um, I actually have my ex-husband to thank, if you will, for that, uh, because there was a, a moment and without really explaining the whole thing, he had brought up, I think, I believe it's called the Council of Nicaea, mm -hmm. I might be saying it wrong, um, where the Catholic Church put together the books of the Bible. And then, um, and it's public knowledge. Like you can yeah. look it up and like they, the rest of the books they burned. And I thought a bunch of men getting together, deciding yes. what books go in, but like high powered men too, mm -hmm. like elite church, whoever. And you know, the history with the Catholic church, no offense, but <laughs> I thought if <laughs> we a bunch have of some sketchiness, I know, well, just for the look of our government, I thought if a bunch of men got together and decided what books went in yeah. and then they burned the rest of them, which they yeah. were historical texts, like. What are they hiding? So if you can take things out, you can also put things in. So in that moment, it was just this like, you know, the Alfred Hitchcock where the, the, yes. the lens moves faster than your, you know, the background. I had that moment where I was like, oh my God, everything just fell apart. Yeah. And that just single moment, it was like, and that would I would say was the beginning of my, what I would call awakening, where mm. you took down the veil and the mask and said, okay. Now I'm not saying that throw away the, the what is it, the baby with the bathwater no. kind of thing as far as, religion or spirituality goes but like that was the moment of my awakening where I took down the mask and said oh my god yeah literally god <laughs> what what is this and what does this look like because I haven't been loving I haven't been caring I haven't been looking at everybody as one I've been saying there's this war going on and I gotta go fight and you know what is it yes. put on the bootstraps of god or whatever that looked like and yeah it was the that was the collapsing of my it's so interesting that you bring up like the almost militaristic yeah. like nature of a lot of what we were taught about religion because this like last week specifically for whatever reason um, I was having a lot of days where I was waking up with old hymns stuck mm -hmm. in my head like hymns from the church of my youth mm -hmm. um, which haven't been in my life for like 15 years mm -hmm. um, so I grew up free will Baptist mm -hmm. Um, free will Baptists actually do believe that you can lose your salvation. So I think oh. it's interesting you brought that up too. Awesome. Um, you can backslide. <laughs> so there's this whole notion that, um, your salvation is kind of always in question, like forever in question. Um, and so for me, that not only taught me a very deep sense of the conditional love of God, yeah. like there was no such thing and people would still call it unconditional, but like, if you, like you didn't even have to scratch the surface of that narrative to be like, oh, this is not unconditional yeah, love. Yeah. Um, and so like, I'm getting unconditional love, for, or I'm getting conditional love from God, so I'm extending conditional love from people, mm -hmm. to people. Um, I'm constantly, constantly in this place of trying to um, 
like make sure that people are still saved <laughs> like yeah. because they may have gotten saved ages ago and now they're not because mm-hmm. they backslid it's fear-based um, it is so fear-based and so that's what I grew up in and then when I went to college um, I also went to a Christian college um, but they were Southern Baptist which was its, its own um, its own thing because it was mm-hmm. kind of controversial and <laughs> god this is so <laughs> funny to think about it was kind of controversial in the community that I grew up with mm-hmm. that I went to a Southern Baptist school because they were considered the like wild, like oh grace, my God. crazy liberals. <laughs> the <laughs> Southern Baptist series. The Southern Baptist. Like the most extra. The like. most. But yeah. so that's, um, so I, like I haven't been a part of that church that was using those hymnals in well over 15 years. But so last week, for whatever reason, I kept waking up with, it was like every day I woke up with a different hymn from my childhood in my head. And like, give me one of them. Oh God, I'm trying (laughs) to think. Um, There's this one called Keep on the Firing Line. Okay. Like it's on the firing line? Yes. Like it is literally a hymn built on the idea of war as part of God's like plan for keeping us in line, Mm. (laughs) essentially. God, like there's so like, oh, so much, so much to unpack there. But Very like patriarchal version yes. of spirituality. Patriarchy, military. It's very like um, aggressive. Yeah. Like there's so much aggression behind it. But I haven't thought about these songs in like 15 years, and so I'm like playing them through my head. Um, I'm a music person. I was the piano player at my church by the time I was like 12 or 13, and so like I have that hymnal memorized yeah. still to this yeah. day. And so, like, I'm singing through these songs in my head, and I'm going, what the actual <laughs> Because I was singing these songs by the time I was three. Yeah. I was singing them by the time I was three. Um, but, like, there's just this very aggressive, um, masculine, like, there's no space for anything, like, um, soft, feminine, like, receptive, like even like basic grace, Mm. um, wasn't really accessible to me. So I think it's funny that you bring up that, um, that there was like almost like a military association with religion. Cause that was very much a part of my experience was like, you're a part of the army of God and like you get up every day and you put your armor on. Mm, Yes. And for me, I think a large part of what did not work for me about that is that I'm an, I'm a person who wants to live unarmored. Like I don't, Mm have any desire to go through my life with this perpetual um like protection between me and the world and me and the people around me so like at some point it started to fall apart for my personality type long before it started mm-hmm. to fall apart from my my like theological intellect yeah. or theology yeah there's just such a like i don't know and obviously not all churches are like this right of course not. we are no. raised in a different generation like where what church is doing now is is very different than mm-hmm. the way that we were raised and um even my sister and her her husband he's a pastor and they're very um at least from what i understand i haven't been to church in <laughs> i don't know how long um but very love-based and mm-hmm. open and and trying to preach uh what the word says um, but obviously it's up to interpretation for everybody and for that to come in. So, um, so I don't have any, obviously we don't have any malice mm-hmm. against Christians today. Um, but knowing that we grew up that way, I, I would really love to kind of discuss and cut it up with you about the trauma that mm-hmm. is involved yes. in church and, and not to say that every church in, induces trauma or whatever, but like mm-hmm. given from our experience, which Let's make this clear. This is our experience. <laughs> so no, no hate mail here. 
Um, but that, I mean, for myself, okay, sex, okay? Yeah. Sex, they're, yeah. like, that's, that's such a big topic yes. in, in church, but not about teaching you sexuality, femininity, or anything. It was mm-hmm. always, for instance, okay, for myself, my body was problematic. Yes. And so yes. any curve or, or boob that started to grow or what, oh, cover, cover, cover up. Um, I started to get an ass and it was like, okay, let's start wrapping the sweater around your yes. already jeans. Like if you're wearing jeans, you're not wearing like Daisy Dukes. Um, and how, how scary it was. Like, I mean, already being a blossoming woman mm-hmm. in, in high school is already scary. Um, because you know, men, but there was, <laughs> sorry guys, it's true. Um, but there, there was such a, it was my responsibility yes. if someone else was violent towards me, mm-hmm. it was my fault. And so, um, you know, oh, you should have covered it. I mean, it's, 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 it's yeah. traditional to the way society is anyway, right? Um, what was she wearing? That whole kind yep. of thing. We're getting uh, outside of that. But knowing that growing up um, from a trauma reaction response, um, I was basically like the ugly duckling up until ninth grade. Um, glasses, braces, like frizzy Same. hair, like the whole thing. It's a wild time. And so it's a wild time. And I changed schools in the middle of that oh. time period. So like I didn't have I didn't have the friends that already accepted me as my little duckling phase. Um, so moving schools and watch and seeing and I, like I'm a, I'm a minority as I mean most of you listening already know. Um, so moving to an all white school where I didn't know anybody and then jumping into this type of environment where it was like who's that, you know? So I already had that element plus being minority plus whatever. So when I went to high school, it was like, I did a she's all that like move yes. where I got my glasses off. I got my braces off. I got a relaxer in my hair and I lost a bunch of weight after, well, I had an eating disorder forever, but, um, anyway, not healthy. So freshman year I show up and everybody's like, Whoa. And suddenly all the guys are literally up my ass. I mean, yeah. just like following me to the bathroom and it was very scary. Yes. So to know already that, you know, sexual tension is not, not oh acceptable. God. It's like, not acceptable. And you didn't want to be a hussy or a harlot. So, and you didn't want to get a bad reputation because yeah. God forbid, quite literally, um, that was, that was the end of your, your purity name. And yeah. so, um, it was scary in that sense. So like as a, as I started in my growing body and my growing even brain, um, seeing how men were treating me and me always often trying to keep myself safe, not yes. just from, you know, assault or attack anyway, but just to keep myself pure. Yeah. And that's, it's like, okay, okay, okay. Wanting to please God so much that I, the guilt that I yes. incurred from the way a guy would look at me or yeah. someone touched my butt or, you know, that kind of thing. And feeling so ashamed. Like, yes. it was so shameful. Well, because you were raised to believe that you were the boner police. I was the boner police. <laughs> That's exactly what And it we was my problem. Like, I remember yes. someone telling me, I mean, I don't remember who it was, but, um, you know, Aaliyah, those jeans that you're wearing are a little tight. And, like, we didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm, as I'm growing, they're also high water, so they didn't seem to talk about my ankles Absolutely. being shown. But, okay. Um, anyway, and not having access to be able to clothe ourselves in a certain way, but... I remember thinking like, oh no, like I should cover up. I should yes. this. I'm like, not, not get new eyes or look away no. or don't bother me. You know, it was like, oh, you're going to make men stumble. Despite the scripture that actually tells men to pluck their eyeballs out <laughs> if they lust after a woman. Like we've somehow lost track of that one. <laughs> 
I mean, it was just, it was, it was, there was a lot of shame. Yeah. So then as a defense mechanism, I think somewhere foundationally, subconsciously, I put on a lot of weight to yeah. keep myself from being attractive as a means yeah. of keeping myself safe, as a means of keeping myself pure. I didn't even really figure that out until maybe a couple years ago. Yes. And I was walking with one of my girlfriends who was just, I mean, she's like a bombshell, she's long hair, like really, like if I was a dude, yes. Um, but I, there was this group of guys driving by in their car hooping and hollering, hey, you with the braid, da, 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 talking to my friend. And the first thought I had was, I'm safe. Yeah. They can't see me. They can't uh, see me. So to keep myself hidden, like that was kind of the whole thing yes, anyway, right? Like, of course. Don't, don't be seen. Don't be don't seen. Be, don't talk. Nope. I'm quiet. Like, whatever. And I don't know. And that, I was like, that really screwed me up. Yes. That really screwed me up. I think, too, one of the things that's super interesting for me, because this has been such a piece of my trauma unpacking mm -hmm. experience as well, um, and I think it's two things. Um, I've been trying to get back to the root of it, like the like very core of where religious trauma has come from for me, and I think what it comes down to is that I was taught before I knew my name, before I knew how to spell my first name, I knew that there was a very deep separation between my body and my spirit mm -hmm. and my body needed to be cut the fuck off, mm -hmm. like off. Mm -hmm. um, because that, that dichotomy that we grew up with between the flesh and the spirit, and they're not integrated, they're not a whole package. Yeah. One of them is problematic and needs to be repressed. Mm -hmm. And one of them needs to be given over to the Lord so that he can fix them. Mm -hmm. So basically, like, I learned before I started kindergarten mm -hmm. that I am fundamentally broken, bad, evil, deserving of mm -hmm. death and hell. That yeah. the God that created me, who supposedly have, has the most love for me of any other entity, has somehow, um, somehow that unconditional love manifests as making sure that I know that I, in my own right, am unworthy Nothing. and the best thing he can come up with to do with me if I don't repent and figure out a way to fix myself is eternal conscious torture. <laughs> so like that was all before I was five. Yeah. I knew that before I knew anything else. Um, and I think for me, what that came down to was a whole lot of tension between my body and my spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, which is exactly what you're talking about. Like you get to this place where it's like, you're so conscious of your body. You're so conscious of your physical manifestation because you're taught really young that your body is a bomb. Mm. Like it's just, it's just waiting to go off. Yeah. Like it's problematic for men. It's problematic for you. Like it's just the best thing that you can do is hide your body and not pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Separate yourself from it completely. Have absolutely no physical experience of this life whatsoever. Yeah. Um, just focus on eternity. Focus <laughs> like, on eternity. Focus Don't on eternity. take care of your planet because no. you're going to live in heaven at oh some my point. God. Yep. You have dominion over the animals. Oof. Kill them all. So much. So many things to unpack there. And for me, part of what it looked like too was I felt this um, this very real tension growing up because I, I was very much like you and that I was kind of the ugly duckling. I think we, we've kind of like, it feels like we've moved past that. Like I get real pissed off sometimes when I see 12 year old girls oh walking around and I'm like, how do you look like you're 18? <laughs> you look like you're 18 and you know you're, how to contour your face. You're better at makeup than I am Stop right it. now. <laughs> um, like they just skip the awkward phase altogether. Yeah. Um, but I was, I mean, I was six foot tall by the time I was a freshman in high school. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I was teeny, 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 teeny tiny at that point in time. I was, I was an athlete, so I was just like skin and bones <laughs> and like this frizzy hair because it had my hair couldn't figure its texture out and like <laughs> giant glasses. And I grew up religious, and so my parents would still still had me dressing in clothes that were like an extra large. Like yeah. my mom would buy extra large T-shirts <laughs> for me, um, and I was like again skin and bones. So I. I had that experience too of just like feeling like the ugly duckling and feeling like that wasn't supposed to matter. Like I wasn't mm -hmm. supposed to want to be beautiful or mm -hmm. anything like that. But in the corner of things, there is the reality that I am a deeply physical and sexual person. Mm -hmm. Like that has always been the case. Yeah. So like from a very young age, I've always been very cognizant of my sexuality, of physical pleasure, of all of these things. Mm -hmm. But that didn't really work for the context yeah. that I was in because I, I also had that very real sense of I need to protect the men in my life. I mm -hmm. need to, like... It was our responsibility. It was our responsibility. And also it felt because there was always this... Um, there was always this idea that men were the sexual ones and women were not the mm -hmm. sexual ones. Like, men want sex. They're visual. They're all of these things. And women just like, it's our job to be resistant to sex. Mm -hmm. And we naturally are resistant to sex. And I was not naturally resistant yeah. to sex. I never have been. Um, but I kept trying to like cut that part of myself off mm -hmm. because I really felt like it made me broken because that was yep. the only narrative I got. Yeah. Like all I ever got was the fact that like wanting to be physically close to other human beings in even a platonic way mm -hmm. was like, a sign of something broken within me as a woman. Yeah. Um, and so like genuinely, God, like I probably from the time I was 12 was really aware of my sexuality, but I was also really aware that it was a part of me that needed to die. Yeah. That just needed yes. to go away. <laughs> I remember praying. Yes. Like, okay, All the time. Like just, just yep. make like basically make me asexual until mm -hmm. the my yes. husband comes along. Yes. And this is why you have twelve year olds making lists of what they see in their husband when yes. they're that young because oh. the the precipice of the well, I just the focus of sex or the non sex that anybody's having is, is the person like, you're giving it to. Yeah. The one person. Like, we're we're suppressing <laughs> these natural parts of our yes. humanity and in an effort to keep us pure, safe, or whatever, but, mm -hmm. um, and I, I get it in theory, but, like, it's, you know, it's why I'm, you know, I was shooting these weddings of, like, 18-year-olds getting married. Yes. It's like, y'all don't know, you don't know anything. Like, yes. you don't know anything no. about anything, but it's like, we really love each other, but we also really want to have sex. Yes. Know? So, like, Ugh. that being at the base of it. So, I mean, even myself, like, I, I, I didn't, save myself for marriage but I saved myself mm -hmm. for the person I married this time yeah um so in that sense like even even that was like oh well you had yeah. sex before yeah like we got we had sex like what four months before or like something like yes. that before we got married I don't know a year before I don't anyway and that was like oh sorry you didn't you missed the mark yes, exactly <laughs> like, all right well you know and then to get in a relationship where we actually didn't we didn't have very much sex I was like yeah off like, exactly so like that was really frustrating because it was it was something that I knew and like I'm similar yeah. like very very sexual person 
and that just not being okay. Mm -hmm. And then now that you've got this paradigm in your mind that men want sex and women don't or are resistant to it, then to get in a relationship where the man doesn't want sex with you, yeah. Oh, Ooh. you want to talk about a mind fuck? Yeah. About like, oh shit, like the whole paradigm of the way that I've thought about my life or the way that yeah. like things should be, it's like, oh, now I'm this unattractive, terrible, gross, whatever you want to fill in yes. the blank with because this person doesn't want to sleep with me. Yeah. And what that does to, I think just on a, on a subconscious but a mental level is like, I'm unworthy. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. So that, that's that same theme continues throughout right mm. um, I was listening to a song um, I just I was in an uber actually and it was on a Christian station and the song was I am nothing the whole mm. song was I am nothing I am nothing I am nothing without you you know so and and it, it was we, ah, something yucky felt came over me because I was thinking about the concept of how like okay here we go. Here we're getting into it. Here now. we go. We're going all in. <laughs> because the the concept of Christianity, I I believe that I believe in Jesus's teachings. Like mm -hmm. I think that Jesus from 12 to 29, he actually went to India. That's where the only university was. So he traveled over there. This is my theory, but like there's lots of proof. But okay, um, <laughs> Google, Google's Google, 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 Google. Um, but like that, that would, that would be very harming for the Christian faith for yeah. people to know that he studied in India and that, that, that would like he, a lot of his teachings when he came back were of Hindu yes. and or Buddhist, um, origins. Yeah. Yes. And so to think about that and thinking about how, like with that, the, the idea that when you say just in a manifestation and a vibrational frequency kind of way, yes. when you tell yourself you are nothing. And what that what that does to your cells, and yeah. how like you essentially have given up all of your power. Mm -hmm. Which, if you, I mean, okay, I understand like from the perspective of from learning that belief system that we have no power. All of our power comes from Christ. And the way that I reinterpret that is like all of our power comes from source. Yes. All of our power comes from source. Christ consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. So that still applies, but it doesn't mean that you're nothing because the universe is having this unique experience mm -hmm. through you. So expressing itself. So in my philosophy, um, <laughs> so the universe is expressing itself to you. So you're constantly telling yourself you're nothing. You're also telling God that they're nothing. Yeah. And so you've given away your power and you've given your ability to manifest. You've given away your ability to be able to tap into intuition, to tap into quote unquote source. You're giving that away. It's all gone. It's all gone. So yeah. now you think you're like piece of shit sinner or whatever and you have nothing to offer this world. So how do you look at your worldly experience as a human being? You don't. you don't, you look at heaven, you look anywhere else that you can and you do your work in your military here. And, and then what, like you don't, yeah. you don't get to actually experience your life. You, and that's kind of why you're here. And then you're gonna have to come back and reincarnation, sorry. So <laughs> anyway, I was having this discussion and I won't say with who, um, but I was having this discussion about the word and I, was communicating with this person and saying like, is it possible that, um, you know, a word that was written down 500 years after uh, the events had happened, like maybe they, they were channeled and stories had been passed down, fine. Um, I still read channeled works today and yeah. still find them to be very uh, important. But if, if that's the case, I said, is there not a chance that there's a typo? A misinterpreted word yeah. like is it the, absolutely not God like the God would never allow his word to be corrupted or this or that is inspired word blah 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 there's absolutely no flaws with the word of God okay 
So, knowing what I know about, I went to Bible school, the whole thing. I, I was, you know, ministry, yes. like yeah. deep in ministry. And, um, you know, upon some further study and contextual study about what was happening in the Hebrew times at the time, um, I'm now forgetting the verse, but Gehenna is the word that was, is used for hell, translated directly. Um, but Gehenna does not mean hell. Gehenna was a city that the people in that time period, wherever the region that they were in, referred to as, that's where they threw their trash. Yeah. So in this particular verse where it says, if you live like this, if you still and chill, and uh, chill, <laughs> if you still and chill, if you still <laughs> and cheat or um, all of these things that, you know, the, the commandments say don't do, then you will live a life as if you are in Gehenna. It was a parable. It was a comparison or a simile. Um, metaphor. I don't remember which one it is, but yes. Is it a parable or a metaphor? Like parable. 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 Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so someone will correct me on that. Um, but with that, they were saying, like, you know, choose a life that doesn't look like trash. Booyah. Okay. That's a wonderful sentiment. Yeah. I can agree with that. It says in the Bible. But what we've interpreted is instead is that, okay, you don't do these things and now you're going to hell. Yes. As I understand what, so I look, I look at the law of one and um, those types of texts. Um, Christianity still abides by the whole idea of free will. And so, and I I started thinking about free will and I thought, you know what, like actually, actual free will means being able to determine your circumstances and your path without consequence. Mm -hmm. And so not that the consequences won't arise out of your own actions, but the choice doesn't have any consequence. The choice is yours. And so with that, if you're offering us a choice and saying that, okay, well, if you go to earth and you're here, (laughs) uh, incarnate here, you have the choice of doing your own thing and going to hell or accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and then going to heaven. That's not a choice. No. That's like, I mean, when from a child and I'm like, I'm sure as hell I'm not going to pick the fire and brimstone with no. the pointy guy that's going to be like poking at me. Like, no, no thanks. I want to be where there's treats of gold. So um, I just in that concept of that, I thought like, wow, like I can't, that's not an actual decision. That was actually one of the first things to fall apart for me too was mm-hmm. the, the, the notion of hell um, trying to, trying to find even the remotest possibility of a genuinely loving God behind the concept of eternal conscious torture. It was that. And then it was that exact thing you just said about how, like, as far as I'm concerned, free will cannot exist as long as hell does. Yeah. Like that's not even an option because you're exactly right. Like somebody could come up to me on the street today and say, say you love me or Or I'm going to shoot you or I'm going to shoot you. And you're going to lose your life here and now. And I would, of course I would say I love them because human self preservation, (laughs) but that does that mean that I actually love them? And is it possible that I even had a choice, like a real, a real autonomous choice in that situation? Right. Um, and so for me, as long as the notion of hell exists as it does, um, because yeah, I, I actually remember a couple of years back, um, the pastor at one of the churches that we went to before we, um, Oh God, before we moved to Texas. So this is actually like six or seven years ago. Jeez. Um, he was the first one that I heard talk about hell as not a literal place of eternal conscious torture, mm-hmm. but something that we're capable of experiencing here, here. And now. It's here. <laughs> something it's absolutely here, now. here. And I remember just sitting there in that service and going, oh, oh. <laughs> that makes so much more sense because I couldn't, I, I, just, I cannot 
find even the possibility for a loving God behind the notion of hell. Yes, I can't do that. I can't like, either. There's there is too much cognitive so, dissonance. Okay, that. so take it one step further. I like I was literally pondering the idea. Okay, where are souls at before we get here on yes. Earth? Okay, yep. so if we're in the ether with God, with Source or part of Source, however that works, we're with Him for pre-eternity, if you will, <laughs> um, where there is no time, and then we get sent here, and we have. If we're lucky, 80 years yeah. on this earth to get this, not even to live a good life, but to get a concept. Yes. Like to get it because you can't earn it, right? To believe to in believe a very specific. Very specific thing. And we get, if we get the 80 years and we miss that concept, then we're going to spend all eternity yeah. in hell. I said, that's in the spectrum of time. Yes. That's such a small piece, yeah. like it's such a teeny tiny piece that you have to get this. And some people get five years, some people get 20 years, and then they talk about the age of... Uh, what is it? Accountability. A age of accountability. Yeah. So like your age of accountability is what, six, seven, or what depends on the person mm -hmm. or the soul. So age of accountability. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Because age of accountability is an actual scriptural thing. Yeah. Anyway, we just made it. <laughs> but because if a five-year-old dies and they didn't have a chance to get saved, well, they're, they're fine. Okay, it's yeah. fine. So then I had a discussion with someone. I said, okay, so people who are born in, in countries that don't acknowledge yes. Christianity are just SOL. Like we got it right here in Kansas City, but like nobody, like people yeah. in other, they're just SOL. And they're like, well, no. Um, someone quoted a verse to me and said, that if you accepted that there was a creator that or this or that, um, then then they could also have the chance of going to heaven. And I thought, well, by your very definition, you're saying I'm saved yeah. because I acknowledge that there's a creator. I don't acknowledge this stuff, but like yeah. there are other things that I acknowledge. And they're like, no, 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 no. But you had the chance to accept it. And I was yes. like, so it's different. So there's like there's conditional rules yep. here. Like, like now yes. you get thrown in hell, but you don't like it's a bouncer. Yeah. Like. I'm not sitting at a club here trying to get to no. wherever your heaven or hell is. So yeah, it, no. to me, it was just a fundamental, like breaking apart of the yes. ideal of what's possible because I, with, as long as there's hell, I can't be loving no. to someone without intention. If that makes sense, like without motivation or ulterior yes. motive of like, I'm trying to save you. Yeah. I can't be friends with, you know, like that was another notion that we couldn't be friends with people who had different beliefs than us yes. or God forbid, like, I keep saying God forbid, that's probably leave that like out. <laughs> um, <laughs> find language for it. Um, but if there was, you know, uh, for instance, I remember when Rob Bell came out with the yes. book Love Wins. And, and, and they're being chain mail going like, yes. make sure your kids don't read this book. And I'm like, why wouldn't you want someone to read the opposing view yes. so they could defend their stance better? Yeah. Like, no, exactly. no, no, no. Rather let's sh shelter everything oh. that you're discovering. And now we're in an information age. So like, it's a little bit different than we grew up. We didn't yes. have access to the internet like everybody else does now, but I can see, I can definitely see that churches are losing their population uh -huh. or younger people. Because, because they don't have a monopoly on our education anymore. No. Like, I think that for the longest time, I know from my experience, um, my belief system, one of the foundations that it was built on was me spending 95% of my time with other people who supported Believe that belief system. Thing. Like as soon as I left it, like as soon as my world was not deeply curated to make sure that I was only spending time with people who already believed exactly what I believed, everything started to fall apart. Yeah. And so like, Isn't it doesn't exist like outside the vacuum. It yeah. can't exist outside the vacuum, at least not, um, not with the amount of purity that was required for like <laughs> me to be able to say that I believed, um, and I was a Christian and all of these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it, it can't exist outside the vacuum to some degree. Yeah. And that, that was another thing that I was just like, Oh, I, so I like, I literally just have to spend the rest of my life 
surrounded only by people who already see the world exactly the same way I do. And that's the least compelling way to live to me. (laughs) It's an echo chamber. It's an echo chamber, yeah. And, I mean, by design, isn't Mm -hmm. that kind of how cults work? Like, I mean, yeah. any, like if you're, I mean, not to, we're not going to call any yeah. of those out, but, <laughs> um, yeah, like there wasn't a lot of room for questioning or freedom Dissent, of expression no. or anything. I remember when I, I was really little, um, maybe four or five. And I remember asking my mom, I was probably five because after I went to school and I said something like, okay, so God created the world in seven days. When did the dinosaurs get created? And, <laughs> and she looked at me kind of funny and she was like, go talk to your father. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking, like, okay, like, dinosaurs, they say they're a million years old. I remember yeah. asking that question. They say they're a million years old, but we said that the Earth is only, like, 2,000 years old. Yeah. Like, well, who's got it wrong? Well, like, you know, there's this and that, or here's evolution, yeah. and this is how this works. And I remember maybe being seven and being like, so maybe the seven days is actually, a, a, you know, like a parable metaphor, whatever. Yeah, um, it's not necessarily for, for like eras, a literal seven days. Uh, yeah, like, because I was having science classes at that point, and I'm super into science. Um, right now, like, uh, we'll have an episode about quantum physics because I'm obsessed. <laughs> um, but essentially, it's science for spirituality yeah. or for, for, you know, the way our world's created. But anyway, it was just, it, there, weren't, weren't, there were a lot of gaps. There yes. were a lot of gaps. Yeah. And there was a lot, I mean, imagine, you know, like, you're such a young child, fearful of your salvation, of hell, and whatever. And this is God who loves you so much. But if you fuck up, get ready. Yes. You're, going, you're going down. Yeah. And I think it really was that, like, that sense of, um, I think one of the reasons it stopped working for me was because I asked too many questions. Like yeah. you, you just said it, like yeah. I asked too many questions and I, I couldn't stop asking the questions. Like I'm not, I'm not, a, I've never been in my entire life a person who, who you can just like close a door on yeah. and I'm not going to get infinitely more curious about that. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just not how I've ever existed. And so I think for me, um, I couldn't stop asking questions and the more questions I asked, the more I figured out how many pieces of it there were that didn't stand up to scrutiny. Like Mm -hmm. it didn't. And I remember that being, um, God, my freshman year of college, I wanted to take, I was still living at home and going to community college and I really wanted to take comparative religions Mm -hmm. as a, an elective. And I remember talking about it with my parents and my mom just having this moment of like, absolutely. You could see the sheer panic just cross her face um, and she was just like, but like, what if it, what if it makes you question things? Like, what if it makes you question it your beliefs? It And that was my, my response as a 20 year old, like, was just like, yeah, like I kind of, I honestly, I just don't have an interest in a faith system that can't be asked questions. Yeah. I don't have an interest in a God that can't be asked questions. Um, and I think at that point in time, I was still young. I was still deeply, deep, 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 deep in the church at that point. But, like, it's like some part of me already knew. Yeah. Like, some part of me already knew that if I if I keep pulling at the threads in my mind, some of this is going to fall apart. And I think I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I'm okay with that. That was my, I think, my 20-year-old narrative at the time. There's a guy I watch on YouTube, uh, Aaron Abke, or Abke. Yes. I'm not sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think has, you referenced me to him. I really like his videos because he's still a Christian, and he has a series called Moving Backwards, um, Saving Faith from Fundamentalism. Oh. Yeah. And so yeah. he goes through scripture and and breaks it down in a way that, and I'm like, see, yes, I can get on board with yes. that. This still makes sense. The words are still there. Yeah. Um, but our application of them are very different. And the way that we've 
interpreted it, I think it's vastly undermining Yes. what those texts actually say exactly. so i've actually started going back through the bible and yeah, started reading stuff and i'm same. like huh this is actually this is this or this is that i mean if you're missing out on you know essentially ancient literature yeah. and and poetry and the way that they used to to word things you're you're largely missing out on a big part of the context like you're deeply disrespecting you're scripture it. like you're completely, completely. disrespecting because you have scripture. to know that and a lot of us don't we don't no. know the context of that in which it was no. being spoken so these things are being written down and i think that they are vast amazing golden nuggets yes. of things and like i am not dismissing the bible y'all like i think that it is a, a wonderful text um that has a lot in it however i do i can't take it as bible yeah no <laughs> it's, the, it's like the perfect analogy I yes. can't take the bible as bible um because and i can't take any book as bible anymore mm. because the more i learn the less i know yes. and i i want to be able to question those things and like you said anything that can't stand up to that type of scrutiny isn't worth its yeah. its weight no and so i don't know so obviously i know that there are modern churches yes. today that have very different upbringings and the way that they're bringing up their children might be very different than the way we were raised but knowing that now and knowing how I mean, I'm, I have obviously, I can't re-choose my childhood, but what I've discovered since then is mm -hmm. an immense amount of, of love and understanding and compassion and empathy yeah. for other people in ways that I never had when I was a religious person. Mm -hmm. And like, and that, I mean, I guess that could go across the board. It doesn't have to just be Christianity, but anything that like exists in a dogma type yes. of fashion, um, because I don't want to throw away Christianity. I'm not a Christian, yeah. but like I'm, I'm happy you're a Christian. Go for it. Like, do you boo? Like, that's I'm, yep. I'm happy with. Like, if it's work, if, if it it's works, works for you, you and it's not causing harm wonderful. to someone else, I'm okay. You're not infringing on anybody else. Yes. Wonderful. You're not like trying to get rid of the gays. Good. Like the gays are the best. <laughs> they're my so, favorite. They're my favorite. Um, <laughs> and so it with with that, I thought, well, like the transformation. And what I'm seeing, and a lot of my friends even who've come from very fundamental faith, um, stepping away from that and saying like, there's just not where we're at in our progression as a planet even. Yeah. It's like we're shifting vibrationally to the tone of love. And I'll, even mm. though there's so much out there, like there's so much hate and whatever on the news or whatever, largely though, the people that I'm running into, we're having all these types of yes. conversations. Yes, there's so much shifting right now. And I feel like the like one of the most beautiful parts of the past few years of my life has been that um, since I have like stopped being afraid of people who aren't Christians, because mm -hmm. that's what it was for yeah. the first 25 years, I 25 to 30 actually, I had a low-key fear mm -hmm. of people who weren't Christians because they were always presented as people who represented a threat to my faith. Yeah. Um, like I could affect them positively, but they couldn't affect me positively. Mm -hmm. So there was always like this holding them at arm's length. It's also um, arrogant. It's so deeply, oh yeah. It's so deeply arrogant I and know, it's, it's disconnecting. <laughs> it's yeah. very disconnecting. I think, um, I'm still in the process of learning how to actually like show up as a full human with mm -hmm. other people yeah. because there were so many parts of me that I had built up a brick wall, like that looked like God and faith and religion between me and everyone around me for the first 30 years of my life. And so now I'm like dismantling that wall and trying to learn how to like actually show up with people unarmored, mm -hmm. unafraid, like 
not wearing the full armor of Christ because <laughs> I'm just not interested in that. You know, Jesus longer. didn't wear that armor either, though. No, he was like, a deeply was, unarmored person. He was like out with the prostitutes and whatnot. Yes. He's like, y'all, yep. what is it, the Pharisees or? He's like, you guys, like he threw yes, open the, the church. religious like, elite. Yeah, like, the he religious was, he elite was not about that life. He came after. Man, I just, I feel like ever since I've stopped being afraid of people who aren't Christians, um, because I really, I mean, I don't identify as a Christian at this point either. Um, but that's kind of been the turning point for me in terms of how much hope I have for humanity. Mm. How bizarre is it? And honestly, how sad is it? That like for me, leaving the church has represented becoming more hopeful. Like Ugh. that's like that's been a thing. Leaving the church has represented me becoming more Christ-like. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. One hundred percent. And so like as I'm starting to like dig into these relationships that don't exist within the bounds of of a religious system, one of the things that I'm noticing is that so many people are having these conversations. Like yeah. there are so many people that are like opening up to what's possible in terms of like how well we can live our life, how much joy we can experience, yeah. how much joy and compassion we can give. Um, I think we're just, we're hitting a place in so many subsections of culture where we're starting to see the fallout from all of the hard lines that religion draws, mm -hmm. like, like between people, like this is like we were talking about earlier. This is us. This is them. Mm -hmm. This is you. This is me. And I think we're starting to come to a place where we realize that we are more connected, like as, as people, like our bodies and spirits mm -hmm. are so much more connected than we ever give them credit for, which yeah. I want to circle back to yeah. at some point. Um, but also we're connected to each other. Like yeah. there's, it's not as cut and dry as like, oh, there's this person yeah. and this person, and they're very deeply self-contained. That's such an American, like yeah. a shitty yeah. American well, way to individualistic view things. And yes interestingly enough dualistic yeah. in that sense of like of we're all in the same boat and perhaps the way that we look at it is there is on one side of the boat a hole yeah that's like starting to sink and people sitting on the other side of the boat being like i'm glad that that's not on yeah. our side yes and it's like shut the fuck up it's the <laughs> we're, all going, we're down. all going down we're all going down so with that separatism oh. of like trying to see us as as separate yeah you know, you're going to hell yes. and I'm not. It's like, oh no, bro, we're all going somewhere together. So like with, yeah, just the re-understanding of that. So I want to circle back to what you yeah. said. Yeah. Okay. So question. Um, I think for me personally, this like moving from a very, being a very religious person to being a deeply spiritual person. I most often, like if I had to classify myself as anything at this point, um, I usually refer to myself as, as a mystic because mm -hmm. I, hold so much space in my heart and my soul for the possibility that there is something tying this together, mm -hmm. like all of this, yeah. like whether it's at its bare minimum, just like love and human compassion, it could be that, but like I have experienced too many moments in my life where I have nothing to explain. There's nothing to explain like the connections that I'm experiencing with other people outside of something is tying us together. Yeah. So like I hold space for that 100%. I can't not believe in some form of a higher power, even if that higher power is just an energy. Right. Um, that's, and honestly, I'm not even compelled to be able to like fully define that at this point, which is probably what makes me a mystic. <laughs> but um, my journey from being deeply religious to being a bit of a little bit of a mystic 
has looked a lot like a journey from disconnection to reconnection. Yeah. Um, so disconnection from other people and like very, that separatism mm -hmm. to genuinely just feeling deeply connected to most of the people I know, even the ones I don't fucking like very yeah. much. <laughs> but also it's been, because my journey has been so personal, it's been a process of me reconnecting pieces of myself that religion taught me to separate out. Mm. So like we come back to the beginning of what we were talking about, about how like we were taught so young that our bodies were just this completely separate thing that we had to be very careful with, very cognizant of, um, and like withholding. Yeah. Like even from ourselves, like from ourselves. withholding our, our, our don't touch from, yourself. Oh no, God, don't God, me. no, don't do that. <laughs> don't seek pleasure. Shit, no. Pleasure is bad. It's going to make you go blind. Guys, pleasure is not bad. <laughs> um, it's kind of a fundamental human thing. Um, but I guess my question would be, and the thing that I would love to like kind of unpack a tiny bit, oh my God, I could talk to you for three hours about this, um, is what does it look like for you to reconnect yourself, to reconnect with yourself and the people around you after you've kind of moved the process through the process from religion to like kind of pulling the whole thing apart and being like, oh, this is not fucking working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. Where are you sitting right now in terms of like what your spiritual life looks like? I think for me as a deeply empathic person, yes. the separation of myself from other people never really existed. Mm. And so mm. the idea that I needed to be separate to begin with was always such a struggle for yes. me because I'm a huggy person and yes. I'm like, oh, I want to love. And that often put me in a space of codependency because 100%. the only way that I can continue to connect with people without it being, you know, in trouble was to be of service. Yes. So, oh my God. Yes. Oh, I <laughs> so like that. To I'm constantly be in service. It was the yeah. way, my means of being able to continue to stay connected to others. Because you could not disconnect. Because you couldn't fundamentally disconnect. could not disconnect. But at the cost of myself, yes, I would give over so much of myself mm -hmm. in, in the effort to connect with someone and almost in a means of earning their love because I deeply, deeply, deeply wanted and, and, and sought connection. So it's only now that I can look at that and say, like, these are very toxic behaviors. Yeah. According to my, my upbringing with, I believe, with religion, maybe it's some of it's, like, personal, but a feeling like I needed to earn love because that mm -hmm. was the M.O. You know, we couldn't earn salvation. However, we had to do this. We had to be in church this time. We had to do these scriptures. And, oh, mm -hmm. you didn't do this. You can memorize four songs, but you can't memorize four scriptures. I remember our youth pastor saying that. Mm -hmm. um, if you can memorize four songs, then you should be. And I was like, but songs are so much easier because they just play on the radio. Music. Like, so, like, there was just this kind of thought of, like, all right. So that you had to always do something yes. in order to have your salvation or to be in good graces, if you will. Mm -hmm. And being a firstborn oldest child... Like I, I deeply sought, and I'm just now starting to get over my deep need for that approval from parental yeah. and authority figures. Because that's the thing is, you can't earn salvation, but you can love earn, you can earn love, and you can earn approval. Yes, for, yes, for sure. So I even just yeah. recently, uh, me and my mom had a discussion, if you will, and it didn't go over very well. And I just felt that child, of like, <laughs> I just. You know, I just wanted to be seen as who I was and feeling like, all right, I had to do something in order to be seen or loved or approved of. I couldn't be who I actually was. Mm -hmm. I even have like nervousness around this podcast because if some of my family members yes. listen to it, I yeah. don't want them to be offended. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything offensive to them. Like you practice.
practice your thing. But like, I, I know personally that's something that just knee jerk. It feels like, like an affront. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Because of my training, uh, my paradigm, my old templates. So as I stand right now, I would consider myself a soul mystic because mystic mean, mystic, mysticism means exploration. Yeah. So yeah. in that, or, or largely an agnostic, but, um, I, I don't, I don't nullify really anything. I'm yeah. very open. I love, I love information. Yeah. So like, I love yeah. to continue to study other works or other things. Like I just started with the law of one and I read the first book and that's the first thing I've read in a long time that makes sense to me. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like this puts me in the most compassionate, least judgmental, most open, like, do you like, you know, kind of, kind of perspective, even when people are super shitty to me, I'm like, they've chosen this as their experience and the universe is experiencing itself through them yeah. also, you know? So it was this, it, it put me in this very monk like state, if you will, <laughs> where I was very accepting of everyone's actions. Yeah. Not that I had to deal with them, but that no. I had, I was able to step away from that and say, I cast no judgment on you because that's a part of your free will. I don't want to fringe upon that. This is you experiencing yeah. this for yourself. So in that way, it's the first, so I, I was talking to some good friends of mine and we were like, all discussing like law of one stuff and openness or whatever and i was like what if we're in a cult right now like what if we're like these ideas that we're taking on is just like us being christians when we were younger and we you know like whatever and and and, and we were all kind of scared and then laughing about it because we were like you know what though this is the only thing i haven't felt yucky about like i haven't felt fearful about I, there wasn't this fear base and this is going to happen or whatever and me making a decision based off what if yeah. Like if this thing happens, I don't want to be, this is like my fire insurance kind of thing. Yep. Like I didn't want that. So anyway, so now I feel like I'm in, I mean, there's no real labels, like forget labels. Yeah, right? of course. Um, I am a very highly spiritual person, highly empathic person. And I deeply, deeply seek out connections. The, probably the only reason I even started the podcast, I had like 40 million people telling me, not 40 million, maybe 56 <laughs> um, people saying you should start a podcast. And I was like, eh, I don't want to, but like, in the means of like, all right, if we can have these conversations and yes. especially right now, all these synchronicities, you came into my life again at this yes. very peculiar time. And some other friends, as I came back to Kansas city, I'm starting to have deep moving philosophical, theological conversations. Like conversations like, you've been craving probably yes, your whole fucking my life. Whole life. <laughs> and you just didn't know. Yes. And so it's funny when I was in New York and I was on my dating rampage, if you read my book, <laughs> <laughs> link in my link tree, uh, me, myself and why, <laughs> shameless plug um <laughs> there i there was this time period where i was going on like i don't know there was one day i went on five dates in a day like Jesus excessive Christ. if you want to think that you have to earn love like this was it um dealing with my toxic behaviors anyway um so i was sitting there longing to have these types of conversations mm -hmm. with lots of these men who were just not equipped oh, not no. equipped for just this not there of, and they're like who is this they're seeing me in this 2d you know whatever from the swipes and then get here and they're like oh I wasn't planning on having this deeply philosophical yes. intellectual conversation with this person. So no. Um, so I didn't get a lot of second dates. Fine. Um, but anyway, it was just being, you know, the, the timing of being able to come back here and then crossing paths with certain people mm -hmm. and having these deep conversations and then, and then feeling like, you know, my brain was massaged yeah. in a, such a wonderful way of being able to open my eyes and recognize that like, Oh my gosh, there's other people out there. Yeah. There's other people like me who feel this way, who don't say anything, but yeah we don't know them. Like we don't know what they're thinking. So that's why I kind of decided like, okay, well if we can sit down and have these conversations and other people may be interested, which like there's a thousand podcasts out there. So I was like, who's going to listen to mine, but whatever, whoever needs to hear it's going to hear it. 
But I thought like, wow, as a means of connecting to an even broader audience with that, let's open this up. Let's see, especially with you. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, you guys don't know how many times me and Audra have had <laughs> a conversation. I mean, at least the last four, we've been like, oh, God damn, we should have like recorded that. That would have been amazing. This for a podcast. So good. I probably wouldn't even thought to start one if I hadn't been yeah, talking to exactly. you and a few other people so deeply about stuff that I was like, oh, wow, this is mind, yes. mind blowing. Well, and I think it's funny hearing you describe like the ways, the ways that, um, people have just come into your life at the right time yeah. and they're wanting to have the, the right conversations and the right connections. That for me, as you were speaking that, I was like, oh, that's God to me. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. there's this thing, Josh and I, uh, my, my spouse, um, we've still been trying to find language because I'm not mm-hmm. really comfortable with the term God right now because there's so much baggage around it. I'm fine with it personally because mm-hmm. I know what I mean yeah. when I say God. But I also know that when I say God, most of the people in Western <laughs> culture are not thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, so like we've been trying to find language for it and I can't remember who it was. Um, we jacked this from somebody. I don't, this was not, we did not make this up. <laughs> um, but like somebody talked at some point about God as a benevolent kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's what it made me think of when you were talking about that, like how kind and generous and like, benevolent of the universe or whatever energy is that that we're talking about when we talk about god the divine the divine like Like how (laughs) beautiful is it that this was orchestrated for you yeah like essentially on your behalf like you didn't have to like run out and chase these connections or be like i'm going to try to assemble these five people with whom i can have these really important conversations it was just something that was handed to you like with or without your request because you were open to it yeah the contemplation of of opening yourself up like that i think that for me religion and dogma um was essentially (laughs) anti-freedom it was like like you were enslaved it was to say to close yourself off and to guard yourself and boundary yourself and fear and you know like there was a lot of that type of placating where you know like you don't want to be open don't open the door you know like we've all heard that yes and especially with spirituality for myself, a deeply spiritual person and someone who experiences spirituality in different ways, um, especially with the, the, the ether, the di- yeah. other dimensions or whatever, that was always kind of like, no, like, yes. don't open the door, you know, ghosts yes. and the occult or tarot cards or anything like that, that could have been just even fun. You know, exactly. it was like, nope, yes. zap all that out. So like, there's, there's no flexibility. No. And like, I probably would still be a part of the church if I found myself in a place that was more flexible and allowed for those mm-hmm. questions and scrutiny. And, um, well, perhaps like if they practice it the right way, that'll start, that'll be a good starter, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but to find myself in that type of community. And I do have a lot of people yeah. ask me and like, Oh, well then you could come back to church. I'm like, Oh, hell no. Because I've now have too much baggage around it. Yeah. And like, even if people are doing it right, I found something that works deeply well for me. Yes. This is church for me. You yeah. know, like us sitting exactly. down and talking and having this community, that's what we're, that serves yes. me in such a deep and beautiful way yes. that like church didn't give me mm-hmm. in the past. And like that worked, if that works for you, that's amazing. And I'm glad you found that, but for myself, it doesn't. And so, you know, when I, I the thing that I missed the most about church was the worship. Like, especially in black church, dude, y'all, if you haven't been to black church, like, let's do it, do it now. Um, 
it, <laughs> there was just such a, like a joy in the, the music yes. of whatever you were singing. It didn't matter. Like, yeah. um, it was just a, a moment to express yourself and that in that community of uh -huh. like everybody singing oh. the same thing and we're all looking and we're crying and we're laughing or whatever. Yeah. I do miss that. Yeah, I think, oh, so I was, like, in a previous life, I, like, led worship at church, and mm. that, so that's been a big thing for me, Oh, wait, too. we have to clarify, because on this channel, we do observe past lives. <laughs> yes. She means earlier in her life. <laughs> I do mean earlier in this particular life. In this life. particular incarnation. Um, so, yeah, like, five years ago, actually, um, yeah. I was... Um, in, like I've been in and out of praise bands my whole mm -hmm. life. I've always same. been a part of the music at church and I have that same experience. I think the two things that I missed or that I was the most afraid of. And one of those things I'm still trying to like work through. And one I'm, I've actually kind of figured out that, um, well, it comes down to community and music. Like, yeah. I feel like the church did a really good job of setting us up to believe that true community, like true supportive, engaged, loving, like people who will show up for you no matter what. Yeah. Um, those that kind of community only exists within the church like yeah. you have to be rooted in a common bond of a love for god yeah. like like north american god yeah. in order to really experience community um and i'm t honestly like the past year of my life has just been sometimes it feels like that version of community to me and and i didn't know it until i was out but it felt like being in a bunker mm. and it was like this year has been the process of me just basically blowing up the bunker yeah. um and finding out that no the community world didn't exists <laughs> like community exists in so many spaces and sometimes i'm actually finding that it has fewer strings attached to it like mm -hmm. i'm feeling loved and connected and we're surrounded by a village of people that honestly, the church kind of set me up to believe did not exist outside of the church. Mm. That's some bullshit, just <laughs> in case anybody's wondering. Like, community exists with outside the church. It mm -hmm. just does. Um, community and connection exist anywhere humans are. Yeah. Literally anywhere humans Actually, are. Actually, I found that it had better community yes, outside of the church 100%. because there wasn't there wasn't the stipulation of these qualifications that you had to meet before you had to I show could up be... as a very specific version of yourself. Yeah, and now yeah. you know. And now you don't like, yeah. I, I mean, the community I have now, God, like yeah. they're just the depth at which we can discuss things so yes. openly. I've never had that type of vulnerability. No, ever. Same. same. And like, if you can, if you can find that in church, that's amazing. Oh. Like that, that would be Here so, so amazing. If we experience that, that is just not, just not the experience. No, <laughs> not even close. Like, um, it was all about masks. Yeah. Well, and it's tough. Cause I do have like, um, I still have a number of friends from back when I was, um, in the church, I still have really good friends from college that I'm still close with, um, who are still within the evangelical system. Um, but what's really made the difference, I've kind of like been examining that, like which ones went their own way and which ones stick around. Um, and really the difference was I, I have been able to make relationships work with people who have vastly different spiritual or religious beliefs than I do mm -hmm. so long as I can show up as my actual self. Yes. That's it. Yes. Like that is, that's my non-negotiable. Like if I can show up as who I am right now and not be treated like a project mm. to be managed. Yeah. Um, Say that again. Yeah. It's, it's the project thing. Josh mm -hmm. and I have discussed this so much. Like, um, and that's the thing that I would say, like for anyone who is still within the church, um, if there's a piece of advice I could give you in terms of learning how to relate to people who exist without your, like outside your religious paradigm, it's 
ask yourself really, really, really hard, like, and be honest about the answer, whether your primary goal is to fix that person. Because yeah. if you are, they feel that. Like they feel I that. have it's a very felt, particular energy. Oh my God, it's a very specific energy. And it's like, once I feel it, I can't unfeel it. Yeah. Like once I feel it from a person that like a portion of their like hope for me is that I can change. Yeah. <laughs> like just be different. Um, that's a point at which my vulnerability ends yeah. because I can't, I can't go in on that. And then the armor of Christ comes back. And then the armor <laughs> of Christ comes back. That's a whole podcast, <laughs> but no community exists outside the church and music. Yeah. That was it. And that's how I got here. I was trying yeah, to figure yeah, out yeah. how I got here. Um, music was the other thing that I've missed the most. And for me, I've kind of figured out it is that experience of being in a room with people it's the human connection. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Like it's the beauty of the music, but it's, like it's also going to a concert. That's exactly what I was going to say. This year has been, um, I have gone to more live music this year, more live shows mm -hmm. than ever previously in my life because I kind of realized it's the same thing for mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Like it's not different. It's the, the feeling of being in a, a room with a whole lot of people who have come together for a common purpose of appreciating beauty mm -hmm. and like, recreating beauty together so like i we went to see um the black keys a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and it was a random one-off concert i've never been a black keys person before in my life like i didn't know any of their music but it was one of the most phenomenal concerts i've ever been to because i just sat and watched while people from so many different generations it was like people all the way from like 15 to in their like 60s <laughs> there's such a wide range of um ages and types of people there and it was like the entire energy of the room came together in that one moment like yeah. across this entire broad spectrum of humanity and that's what worship services were yeah. for me it was yeah. just a bunch of people coming together to like sing a common narrative or like gather around a common um a common love mm -hmm. and like to engage in that together. So yeah, let's, I feel like live music has kind of become my, not replacement, but kind of, yeah. <laughs> like my, um, my great love when I'm missing worship music. Yeah. You know, after I, so, so I love that we were like, after we left the church, <laughs> but after, um, it was actually kind of simultaneously at the same time that I lost my voice. Mm. So, um, I have throat nodules and I still have them, but, um, my, my singing, I wasn't able to sing mm. anymore. So I kind of lost my, I stopped writing songs yeah. and I stopped playing guitar, I stopped playing the piano. Um, largely musical family I come from. My mom is a piano player with, for our church and we grew up singing and everything, doing all that stuff. So, um, and I thought I was going to be a singer actually. And then I lost my voice and I became a photographer. So that was all very resourceful there. <laughs> um, but I think like I'm, I'm missing that part of it. So actually my grandfather gave me his guitar and I was like, maybe you want to try to start playing again. Yes. Um, when you were talking about the community thing, I was at Soul Sessions on, I think they have it on Mondays. My sister invited me. And it's so cool um, because it's like over on 18th and Vine. And people get up and sing or whatever. But if, it's, if there's a song in particular, there was just one like song. I don't remember if it's Deborah Cox who sings the song. I'm not even going to try and sing it for y'all. But <laughs> um, the whole room just lit up. And we were yeah. all singing this song. And we're like, ah you know and it was so fun because it was just like it didn't matter what color you were it didn't yes. matter what you were wearing yes it didn't matter like what you do for a living or like if you're a scumbag or not we all knew this song and we were singing it from the top of our lungs and in that it was just like an Connection. elation of 
Right. And it's a very particular vibration. Yes. It's the same when you go to a protest, but yeah. opposite. Like that yes. very particular vibration. You are connecting, but it is not the same. No. Um, it's a, it's, I mean, not just a protest. I guess it depends. But negative versus positive energy, whatever. Yes. Um, and missing that portion of it. But I've since been able to develop my own community mm-hmm. and find space in that. Like when I moved to Kansas City, I was so scared because I had such a, a good community of people in New York that were... It was the first time I had ever been to a place where I could walk outside and be exactly who I was. Yes. And no, no one gave one a fuck. Gave a shit. Nothing. Yes. Yep. Like, I mean, there was one time I saw a guy walking down the street with nipple tassels on and like seven inch platforms with just a thong and yeah. no one turned around. No. And I was like, what is, where am I at? Because like, you came from like the heart of the Midwest. The heart where everybody of judgment. So many there's so many, I mean, like it's getting, it's, it's better than it was, yes. but like there's still such a vibration of. Anything out of the norm. It's like, oh. Yeah. You know, Anything and, in, that's not like in the dead center of the yes. middle of the spectrum. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? So people are living yeah. their real lives yes. in private. And they're in quiet and it's like that kind of, you know, and that's not necessarily religious, but this is, we are in the Bible Belt here. So here we go. So I imagine that's where that comes from. But it was, that was my first taste of real freedom. Like I had already left church and I start traveling and doing all that kind of stuff. But it was the first time that I experienced and said, wait a minute. So when I moved back here, I was terrified because I was like, oh, here we go. Like going to go back right back into people thinking you should be a certain way. And you know what? Because I opened up my perspective, I didn't have that yes. experience at all. I started then Same. attracting people, like you said, the universe brought you those people um, who spoke my language and who understood the things that I understood and who who deeply wanted. Because, like, for me, I'm on this deep journey for truth always. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't care if it looks like this or looks like that. I'm not trying to fit in your little box. Yep. I just want to know the truth. And what does that look like? Now, I know what the truth is for me. I want to know what the truth looks like for you. Yeah. And then I can evaluate and then, you know, trade and exchange. Yes. So, like, that was, that's always been my search and my path. And so to come here and then find, like, across, mm-hmm. to come across these people, I'm like, ah, it's one of, yes. one of us. It's like, one of me. Hey, it's not to be one. divisive because we're all one. But yes. <laughs> it was a relief to find that yes. and say, oh, wow, okay, I don't, I don't need to hide. You don't have to live in the bunker anymore. Yeah. Like I think that that's the like it, that's the best analogy I've come up with for the difference for me between my spiritual life ten years ago and my spiritual life right now yeah. is one felt like living in a closed bunker, and one feels like being in the middle of the fucking wilderness. Yeah, and like having all of this. But like Snow White, move. where you're like, oh hey, what's yes. up, Bambi? What's up, you? Exactly. What's up, Dorf? Let's all be like, friends. Like there are all of these different walks of life, and like there are other people in the wilderness and. All of this stuff. I, I read this thing on Instagram the other day. I need to find it. Um, but it was something about um, God being a, a state park out west somewhere mm-hmm. and religion being the path, like the very strict path and the narrow path through that state park. Yeah. And that was that's exactly how I feel it. Like I feel it as like religion got me to God, but if that's as far as I ever go, if all I ever take is the path where it's like, I get a very specific view of God, everything is very safe, very contained. I have to stick to the path the whole time. I have no interest in that. Like Mm -hmm. I want the whole fucking state park. Like that's, I want all of that place to, um, to breathe and to move and to explore. I think, yeah, that's really what it comes down to for me is that my, 
my highest value is not security and certainty. It's exploration. Yes. And that's yes. the difference for me between that's so 10 beautiful. years ago and today. Is that's so beautiful. Yeah. Certainty and security and stability it's have freedom. their place. But I want exploration and freedom. Yeah. I want the freedom. Yeah. Like I, so, I mean, you, I saw the same meme, but it was, said something different. It was um, spirituality is the ocean and the religion was the fishbowl. Yes. Like you swim, it's the same yep. water, but yeah. like whether or not you can go out and then whatever. Yes. So, um, There's no capacity for expansion. Exactly. Like I, I ran out of room to grow. I ran out of room to grow. Yeah. I, I think that's really beautiful because at the end of the day, our, exp our exploration or our journey onto finding truth needs to be mm -hmm. a free journey to be able to explore that. So for instance, us having this conversation right now is us still exploring yeah. that wilderness and that state park, if you will, and it getting the chance to exchange ideas, exchange energy, talk through things, mm -hmm. process things and saying like, and then coming to a conclusion or never coming to a conclusion. No. I remember telling someone, um, and they were saying, well, what if, you know, what if you're wrong? Then you're going of to hell. Course. Yeah. Of course. Okay. I was like, if well, I'm not going to use, I don't think true love yeah. is me choosing someone as fire insurance, first no. of all. But second, like G God, Jesus created me, this yeah. very questioning, <laughs> truth seeking, yes. good hearted person. I think I'm good hearted. Um, so like he, he will understand because yes. <laughs> he made me this way. He already way. knows me. He already knows me. Yep. So if he knows me like that, she, he, whatever it <laughs> knows me to be yeah. this way, then, then at the true base of my true authentic self, this is who I am. This is who yes. I was created to be. So I, if something's wrong with this broken creation, like you messed up, start over, take yes. me out, car accident, yes. whatever, and start over. I'll, I'll, come, I'll come back. But like, there is no, I don't know. There's just a lot of mis, misnumers, if you will, like of, you know, you're perfect in God's image and da, 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 but you need all this fixing in your broken center in yourself. Yes. Like, it's so it's just, confusing. I just don't know where I can land on either it's of so those. Confusing. I think I am perfect in creation because I am the manifestation of the universe wanting to express itself through this person mm -hmm. yeah. as a, you know, hard to distinguish what race she is. Um, size 12, like yeah. very loud, like changes her hair every five minutes, wants to try every occupation out Literally there everything like the yep. <laughs> i like i believe that that's who i was created to be so like ain't nothing wrong with this no no i think it's so interesting i have a, a good friend who recently introduced me to the idea that like it's possible that um because i guess there's a theological system that's based on this i haven't done any research into this but we were discussing um something super similar to this and she was talking about how there's a theological system that basically assumes that God created us to co-create the mm. rest of the story. Like, yeah. like basically the, um, the whole thing, like God didn't make the, like a plan mm -hmm. that was just going to last for the rest of all time. Like he made the earth and then put people on it who could then like lead in its co-creation. Mm -hmm. And so like whatever we're doing is a part of God's part plan, of God's plan. Like, yeah. and whatever we're becoming <laughs> I is like a part that. of God's plan. And that's honestly, that's the only, like, if I were going to like subscribe to a, something that resembled the creator God of my childhood, that's the only way I can imagine it yeah. is like, why would you, why would you put us here on this planet, like autonomous beings and then be like, 
but don't have autonomy. Like, <laughs> only go this certain way. That's such like, a perfect point, because yeah. I said the same thing. I said, how insidious is it if we keep continue to keep yes. coming from the ether, and you know that we come down here and get all broken up and messed up, yeah. and then say, you didn't get the concept, now you're going to go to hell. Why do you keep creating souls exactly. up there? It keeps sending like there's us a down manufacturer here. error yeah, somewhere like, along like, the stop line. it. Like, ceasefire. Don't blow up the that. planet. Start on another one. Go into another galaxy. Maybe he's already done that, but um, lost hope for all of us, knows. and we're like, we're out. But I thought that's insidious, like yes. to continue to send people down here, continue to incarnate new souls. Yes. And if you don't believe in reincarnation, then that's what's happening. Yeah. Like we're not like getting recycled over and over. It's like we're coming from 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 the, the beyond and creating new yep. into this very insidious process yeah. of like, OK, I'm going to continue to send half of y'all to hell. And like that doesn't more even, than half. that just doesn't feel like God, like that doesn't yeah. feel like the 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 energy that I've come to know, like the co-creation thing that feels true to me. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like I'm here on this planet and I'm making decisions as to who I'm going to be. And sometimes I make really good decisions and sometimes I make really shitty decisions about who I'm going to be um, because I'm human, but like everything's divine neutrality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just an experience. <laughs> it's just an experience. But like the idea that, um, I've been, I've been put here to co-create something with the divine mm is really beautiful, beautiful to me. Like yeah. that's the most compelling way that I can, um, I can conceptualize. And it's God. incredibly freeing. Yes. It's like, it brings an authenticity oh. to all the things that you'd like to really do Yeah. without being like, should I do this God? Yes. Yes, you should. Like, did you have the desire in you? Like yeah. the same way someone desires to be a doctor versus mm -hmm. a photographer versus a philosopher, whatever, like we don't want the same things. Yes. And that's kind of part of it. Like yes. there's no, I should, or I shouldn't. No. It's just, the freedom of choosing, there's that free will yes. again, but like the freedom of choosing who you would like to be and who you'd like to express yourself as and whatever that looks like, be that, do yeah. that. Because I think that is in God's plan. That's a part of it. Yeah. Like you, that, you hit it perfectly for me. Yeah. Co-creation is the freedom to be authentic in our creation yes. in order to, if we're looking to please an entity, that would be it. Like yeah. to be our full selves. And if that looks like you going to church and you being a Christian and wonderful, awesome. If that looks like you worshiping something else, if that looks like you doing nothing, that awesome, you know? So like in that, it, it gives us the freedom to yes. be exactly who we were here to be. I still remember for the longest time in my life, up until maybe two years ago, um, sometimes in retrospect, it feels like I spent most of my life holding my breath. Yeah. And like waiting for God to give me a sign as to what mm -hmm. I was supposed to supposed do next. Supposed to like, do. Like to, to reveal his will to me. Like mm -hmm. the, the narrative of God's will was so powerful in my upbringing. And, and like I said, honestly, up until a couple of years ago, when I started to break that down and just be like, what if God's will is that I just keep doing the next thing? Like, what if this is not like a, a predetermined narrative? Mm -hmm. And I only get one chance to not fuck it up. Yeah. Like, what if there are a thousand different routes that I could choose that it could all be equally beautiful? And honestly, that's that's exactly how I experience my life right now. I think that every situation in my life could work out a thousand different ways and all of them could be awesome. Yeah. And honestly, there I, I don't even have I don't have language <laughs> for how freeing that is mm -hmm. after 30 plus years of like genuinely feeling as though I was always 
three seconds from fucking up everything. Mm -hmm. That there was a right way and a wrong way. There was a right way and a wrong way. And for your life, for my life. Exactly. And, and honestly living from this place of just trusting that no matter what comes next, I'm going to find a way to swerve into it and I'm going to make choices and that's going to influence what things look like next. Mm -hmm. And also it can all be beautiful. Right. Like it could be anything and it could also be beautiful. Yeah. You deciding to leave the church yes. could be beautiful. Yes. You decide to stay could be beautiful. Yes. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I love that you said that because I've been reading a lot about that, that concept recently. Yes. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, wow, this is really shifting a paradigm for me that like maybe everything's not already all planned out. Yeah. Like maybe this is kind of some this divine experiment. Choose of your own like, adventure. Yeah, choose, we're these co-creators, and like yeah. God or the divine or create, you know, creator or whatever is like pleased by just getting to see. Oh, she did that! Wow, I didn't get to experience yes. that before. That's new, um, especially when it came to terms of my life, because I think I always looked at things as this was supposed to happen, yes. or this was this, or you know what? Sometimes life is just fucking chaos. Like so that happens. And you know, to just look at all the really terrible <sighs> things that are happening in the world and you know, we're when we talk about hell, like we're like, there are people yeah. living in hell right now. The devastation I would see on a day to day basis in New York or like other places that I would travel and think like, damn, I'm this so, this is hell. Like yeah. this is absolute hell. And the suffering that people are incurring is like, is grave is absolutely grave. So to know at least like the paradigm that I was struggling with recently is that, you know, there was, there's always been this narrative that there's a supposed to yes, like that I yep. should. And I've been like, let me get rid of those phrases. Like mm -hmm. I should, and I'm supposed to, because that creates this, I mean, that's a part of the, the, the handcuffs, right? Yes. Like the, the judgment of the outcome of the way things happen in your life. And I'm like, all right, so next year I decided I'm going to go on this remote year. I'm going to be traveling the world instead of doing something more conventional and no idea how money's supposed to come in or whatever. I'm going to just you manifest. I'm just going to do it. But there, there being this thought of like, okay, is this the right decision? Yes. Well, there is. Yes. It's the right decision because you because decided it's the, it. you it's the one you made. It's the right decision. <laughs> yes. So like the decision around, like, I mean, just even, it's so funny how much, my religion and my identity and my religion also was my identity as a per they were not separate and so now i can look at my spirituality also those are not separate either but the way that i make choices in my life and the way that i progress through life no longer has this jury like, you know what i mean yeah, like, like I'm angst not, behind yeah it. it's just yeah. like oh there's gonna be this wrong thing and if i make the wrong decision oh my god you know, like like we're so adverse yes. to pain in our societies anyway that it's <laughs> yeah. just like oh god forbid we should be that happy you, all the time all the Fuck time that. there's so many emotions that Fuck you could experience besides happiness that would be grave like greatly more growing than than that obviously that would make you a much better person exactly and as for me growth know. giving you know mm -hmm. so with that it's giving me the freedom to live a different kind of life and yeah. i know that there are a lot of people out there listening who, who identify with that and who have, you know, perhaps, and not, not to say that your decision, every decision that you made was the right yeah. decision because you yeah. made it, but like that have, have felt tricked by that yes. jail that they've been in and that there was a, a only, only one yes. way to do things when, when there are so many, mm -hmm. there's so many other ways that you could live or, or yes. love or worship or, like, and at the end of this, we got to wrap this up because it's good. I could talk to you I know, forever. Literally could go um, 
but to be able to have freedom yeah. in that life, to be able to have freedom. And with, with freedom comes love. Yes. I really deeply believe yep. that because when I was in that fear-based, <sighs> scary bunker, there was no way that I can authentically love that wasn't self-serving. No. I needed to find a way to survive in the bunker and the yep. spiritual warfare that I was dealing with. And the devil was always got his foot and pitchfork and everything. And I didn't, I was so scared all mm-hmm. the time. And to be scared all the time, I couldn't make decisions that weren't built upon that fear. Yeah. So that's not, that's not freedom. It's not freedom. And you can't, you also can't extend it to anyone else when no. you're not living in that place to yourself. I think there was, um, I feel like I wrote something on Instagram recently regarding that about how just like, I've never met a person who truly like advocated for the freedom and the autonomy and the pleasure and the joy and the like just deep deep roots love for other people who did not also have that for themselves who did not primarily have that for themselves like I think that there we are only as able to love people well as we are internally resourced. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if we're not in a place of being able to give ourselves access to love and connection and freedom and pleasure, we are sure as shit not going to give that to anybody else. And so like, we're always holding. Cause yeah, that was the thing is like when I was within the church, I, there was just, I spent a lot of time feeling miserable and scared and small and you can't, want anything else for anyone else as long as that's the place you're coming from yeah so like i think my my entire notion of what it looks like to take good care of the people around me at this point in time to be deeply loving and generous and gracious and kind is primarily to figure out how to be loving and gracious and general generous and kind with myself amen because if i can't do that i'm not gonna do it for anybody else yeah that's so amazing that because i always say the opposite way you can only receive as much love Mm -hmm. as um, you're willing to give yourself like mm-hmm. because if someone had said something to you like oh my god I think I yes. love you if you only loved yourself 10% you can only accept that amount so yeah. it's interesting because it works both ways it does it that's, does that's really wonderful but all right well Audra I'm so <laughs> happy to have this conversation with you absolutely and, you're gonna um, do this I feel like more than one <laughs> yes um so please tell everybody where they can find you yeah of course so you can find me at Audra Hibbs that last name is h-i-b-b-s um, pretty much anywhere on the internet. I'm <laughs> at Audra Hibbs on Instagram. That's my favorite place to hang out. Um, I really love sharing other people's content and my stories and my own on my, my Instagram platform. Um, Facebook, I do a little bit there. It's a little more angsty, a little more, <laughs> a little more ridiculous. Different audience. <laughs> different audience. But yeah, those are two of the primary places. Um, and as well as my website, audrahibbs.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for having, or having me? No. Have, <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for being on. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you take from it um, at the end of the day that, you know, we're all here at the end of the day trying to look for freedom. We're trying to look for truth, and uh, obviously some of this might be deeply offensive to some of you, um, but this is our own experience, and we hope that you, what we've communicated was from a place of love and light. So, Have a wonderful, we'll see you in the next episode. Interested in becoming a client for energy coaching? Find me at www.thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do or hit me up on IG at thelovelyalia for daily content and inspiration.